0: we're listening to Body IO FM with your hosts Kiefer and Dr. Rocky where cutting
1: edge science meets the razor's edge of health and performance
0: Hi everybody this is Kiefer again with Body IO Radio and uh, we've got another episode with Dr. Rocky Patel who's our regular
2: Hey Kiefer how's it going
0: Good. And uh, today we've got Mark Alexander and Keith Norris of Efficient Exercise and also Paleo FX fame. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Uh, Mark, why don't you go ahead and start for us?
1: Yeah. Hi, how are you guys doing? Uh, Good. Mark here. Mark Alexander. Um, I uh, co-founded uh, Efficient Exercise in 2001 and uh, have been thankful to have Keith on board the last several years uh, helping with the endeavors here in Austin and beyond also i'm a co-founder of arx uh, Technology, uh, where uh, we will, we'll discuss that here a little bit as well so i'll hand it over to keith
3: yeah so i'm keith norris i'm a partner with market efficient exercise i also help mark out a little bit on the arx side of things i am also a co-founder of paleo fx uh, co-founder and co-owner along with my wife michelle and um have been with Mark for about the last four years in the in the ARX and efficient exercise arena
0: and I just wanted to mention Michelle's also on the show and she's going to have a bigger part in the second half so you you can say hi Michelle sorry I, I forgot to introduce hi. you in that first segment
4: oh no problem hi guys thanks for having
0: us on <laughs> yeah of course so I met these two I actually um, met Keith first he had sent me an email about possibly being at Paleo FX and a lot of stuff was going on. So I didn't confirm for last year. And then I actually ended up moving to Austin right before Paleo FX. And uh, he was kind enough to get me on stage for I think like 15, 20 minutes. It was was a lot of fun. Uh, But after that, I, you know, I'd I'd gone to his gym and I saw the cool stuff he was doing really. Um, It's more, more than just a gym, you know, they call it their lab and it really is there. You'll see equipment there. You'll never see anywhere else. And Their goal is really close to my heart because I designed, for those of you who know, the shockwave protocol, which was very specifically to get maximum amount of stimulation in the minimum amount of time to get you in the gym, get you out of the gym, and get you whatever results your goals, you know, deemed. So, and these guys are doing the exact same thing. And they're coming at it from a different approach, one that unfortunately, you know, I don't have the ability to do, but they do, and they, they've taken it in a direction that's just phenomenal. So first, I, I want to talk about how this idea of efficient exercise, like where did you guys kind of, what what was your founding idea when you came up with your, with your lab?
1: That's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, I'm always the guy that's going to ask why and maybe have a little bit of the kind of hacker mindset of, you know, yes, this has been done this way forever, but why? Um, and so kind of probably like you're saying with a similar heart similar mind is what what your shockwave was, is, you know, I, I figured that uh, there, there's got to be better ways and more efficient ways. Um, you know, we we are, you know, serving a clientele that values their time and, you know, they make their money and get their fulfillment, if you will, outside of the gym, um, you know, uh, so, so we found ways to help that type of clientele Uh, you know, achieve the the results and the
0: goals that they want. And, you know, what brought, how how did you team up with Keith? I mean, for any of you, if you go look up Keith Norris online, I mean, this guy is just like jacked. And um, I I won't say how old he is, but he's older than myself, and I'm almost 40. And puts me to shame, basically, in a side-by-side comparison. So that's why I don't like to spend much time around Keith, actually. (laughs) Um, so, so how did you, how did you get teamed up with Keith on this or, or Keith, Keith, you can jump in. Either one of you guys. um,
3: Yeah, but I I can just say that I, that I met Mark through a, uh, through a mutual friend and who's actually another trainer at Efficient Exercise, Skylar Tanner. And uh, Skylar and I had an online, um, well had many online conversations going back and forth and at that time I was, I was heavy into the pharmaceutical industry. in uh, quality control in the pharmaceutical industry in North Carolina. And I was also working uh, helping out in the strength and conditioning facility, at East Carolina university. So my background has been, and has always been on sporting performance, um, particularly as it related to football. Um, and I, I really liked what, uh, what I saw through Skyler inefficient exercise. And at that time I was getting ready to bail on corporate America. Uh, along with Michelle and uh, I knew I was going to move back to Central Texas and in my mind's eye I was gonna just kinda start up my own gig um, coaching personal training I really didn't have a clear idea what I was gonna do I just knew that I was getting out of corporate America I um, was lucky enough to run into market that time through Skyler and I loved where these guys were going with the efficiency idea because even even in a strength and conditioning for a sport whether that be track and field or football where technique is a big component of that sport the whole idea is to get in and out of the weight room as as fast as possible so you can get on the technique aspects of that sport but you want maximum results while you're in the weight room and what i saw when i saw what these guys were doing they were they had the exact same idea they were just applying it to the general public and that really really caught my attention um and just Long story short, we teamed up, and I think we've had a great relationship in the last four years.
0: Uh, yeah. First, I want to say I'm glad you clarified when you said you were heavy into the pharmaceutical industry, because half my audience would think <laughs> that would mean something completely different than working yeah, in let's corporate America. The, uh, <clears throat> let's, let's
3: say the legitimate pharmaceutical
0: industry. Okay, not that's the black one. yeah, that's good. And then, uh, secondly, you know, the point that I think a lot of people miss with this getting in, getting out. Uh, some people argue that that's just being lazy. You don't really want to put in the time and the effort. It really comes down to recovery, especially for athletes. And, you know, the message there for athletes is you've got a lot of physical stress going on through your day, through your training, through the technique part of your training, through the different modalities that you're trying to develop. Although weight training is incredibly important component you don't want that to be what pushes you over the edge and doesn't allow you to recover from your other training that then could start causing injuries. You know, we see it all the time on, uh, in professional sports, especially you see people that just get injured and, you know, it, it even happens in situations that look like a normal tackle or a normal twist, you know, on the basketball court, or even what would be a normal kick in MMA. Recently, there was a picture of the guy who, you know, he went for a kick and shattered his his uh, tibia. In oh,
3: yeah, Sheldon showed me that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> that was <just>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's horrible, and a lot of that comes from overtraining and not allowing the body to recover. And that works in the workplace as well. A lot of these, a lot of your clients I know are professionals that they've got stressful jobs and they've got a home life and they probably have kids. And that training session, as important as it is, it can't be something that tips them over the edge to being burned out or potentiating injury or even potentiating you know, diet problems. You know, If your body's not healthy, it can't handle some of the stuff that you might encounter through the day. Uh, so, yep. so I really wanted to emphasize that point. And you know, now I think it's a good segue to talk about some of the equipment that you've developed that just, you know, blew me away. This is what pretty much got me addicted on these guys, and I've been, you know, bringing everybody to their lab to show them some of the equipment they've got because this stuff just needs to be out in the public eye.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that, you know, going back to thinking about when Keith came on board, I think that was one of the things that, <laughs> that might have tipped him over the edge, too, is just, you know, look at look at, look at these hoys that we've got and, uh, <laughs> you know, look look what we're able to do with them kind of thing, so... Uh, which is difficult, and probably one of the most difficult aspects that I've had to handle over the last three, four years when developing this technology is really being able to effectively communicate what it can do and the power it has without someone actually getting their hands on it. Uh, obviously, getting their hands on it is the best way, but uh, you know I appreciate you, Keith, for you know helping us kind of spread the good word, if you will. So.
0: Yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit about the machine? Because this is going to segue. Um into a lot of training principles that it both helps to support and actually some training myths that it helps to break down for Mm -hmm. us. So this is the, you know, they, they call it the ARX system. Um, And and let's just jump into what that is basically.
1: Yeah. Essentially ARX is an acronym for adaptive resistance exercise. We chose that because, you know, uh, someone like Keith who is a brick house and strong (laughs) can get on there and, you know, not break the machine, and uh, someone very weak and feeble immediately afterwards could get on, and uh, the the machine literally adapts to each and individual user. So there's no changing away. It's loading plates and unloading plates. It's it's kind of a you get on and, and, and you go. So uh, that's why the, the name there.
0: And uh, you know, let's I I'll, I'll try to describe it just from a first impression. When you see this machine, it's it's somewhat compact. Uh, which is pretty impressive and there's no weights on it you you don't see the actual resistance that's all taken up by a, a motorized drive and a belt system so you see this machine and it, at first appearance it actually doesn't look like much to be honest and once you sit in it it can be reconfigured for a lot of different exercises for example bench press or over overhead press deadlift um, there's a lot of different ways you can configure it and when you get under there and get loaded the first time Um, The response that you normally hear, and Rocky can attest to this, um, I I made sure he got on the machines. And uh, we also got a a power lifter who will remain unnamed just because he doesn't like to be talked about so much. I don't know why. But, you know, the response, so this is across the board. Rocky's average guy. Um, You know, this is actually the angry coach from Elite, those of you who are familiar with Elite FTS. The angry coach got on there. Uh, I've been on there, and the response is immediately once that thing starts starts loading you up, it's like, oh, shit. And that, like, comes out of everybody's mouth. Sometimes something a little bit stronger comes out of their mouth because you just
2: you do not expect this load. I mean, it feels like a house is coming down on you. Yeah, I think that even the, the second oh, shit moment is when you get off the machine. <laughs> so I think we did the uh, leg press and you know you you, you certainly feel the force but then when you get you know you do like three or four reps and you get off and it's like you've done like a set of 20 at maximum load I mean your legs are shaking and it's it's wild I mean yeah we've we've actually got a video where we went and uh, we videoed Rocky
0: on some of the machines and and myself it was interesting because you know I went ahead and demoed I did 315 on the bench just three reps pretty easy got up you know, had total breath control. You could tell my nervous system wasn't really, you know, overtaxed at all. Everything was fine. You couldn't even really tell I did anything. And then I got on the RX and did three reps on that. Basically, it, it loads you to your maximum. Literally, when I get up on camera, you can see how much blood got into my chest <laughs> muscles. I mean, it was amazing. I was shaking. I was having a hard time talking to the camera. My nervous system was on overload. I mean, and we're talking three reps, and I felt like I had done a 30 to 40-minute chest workout. Uh, It's just phenomenal. Um, And the
3: thing is, you were, in fact, taxed your maximum ability in each portion of the strength curve of the bench press. There was no portion of that unless you let off, which, which if you train people correctly, they won't let off. Unless you actually let off, you are, in fact, Tax to your maximum ability throughout the entire range of motion, which you just cannot duplicate in a normal weighted exercise.
2: Well, I think what's fascinating is that, you know, you can tell when they let off, right? Because you, it, this is actually attached to a computer screen. And so you can follow that and, you know, adjust as you need to go if, you, if yep. you're being supervised.
3: Yep. Yep. You can, sir, you can see the force output registering on the computer screen. And if... Uh, if you do this long enough and you coach people long enough and you get them to buy into your cues, you can horse them through the entire movement and uh, get them to give you the you know the full maximum output throughout the whole range of motion. It's a beautiful
1: thing.
0: yeah, it it it's hard to help most people understand how this is you know the holy grail of training. And by that, I mean, we finally have a machine that can match to your strength curve. so, right now bands and chains are incredibly popular and actually when you do a research they're not very effective on most exercises and there's some reason for that and that's because it actually goes against your strength curve you are stronger at the stretch shorten cycle and so that's that's where the turnaround cycle is then you are when you're fully extended so on the bench press at the top is where you're the weakest where you have the least strength pushing at the bottom is where you have the most Um, And then also with that you've got your weakest during the contraction portion and you're much stronger during, during the eccentric So it's very very difficult to devise a system that can actually increase weight as you lower it And make sure the the weight is more during the eccentric and then take off some of that load and have that load continually decrease as you get towards the top of the movement I mean, imagine trying to do that with weights, chains, bands. I thought about that for a long time and there's no real good system to do it to kind of match up to your curve. So why don't you guys explain how this system actually does match up that curve and overloads you in every every point of the strength curve?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's equated to arm wrestling a superhero. The superhero lets you move him but he's never gonna let you win. In other words, so kind of man versus machine. The machine you know, is always going to win. That's okay, just, you know, get that out of your head that you're gonna break, bang. I think an uh, angry coach power lifter thought maybe he'd break it. Um, <laughs> and uh, But it didn't happen. And so, you know, then we can see through the, you know, thanks Rocky for bringing up the software system. You know, we haven't sent hardware software package so the software system allows us to track and see how well you did against that machine that again yes ultimately wins and always moves will always beat you but you know you get how you're tracking and progressing along uh, with the software there
0: yeah it's it's really deceptive because basically what the machine just does is it moves at a constant velocity um, both in the up and down direction and the the Mm -hmm. goal is you have just gotta push as hard as you can so Uh, that's a perfect analogy you're fighting against a superhero you're not going to win uh you're just trying to resist as much as you possibly can and that's what allows the machine to like have switchovers really quick like you know rocky can jump on the machine and you know get three reps on the bench press and then i can jump on the machine get three reps on the bench press and we've both been taxed to our maximum ability and there's really no changeover at all on the machine uh, which which is really nice. Now, I, I kind of want to start to steer this conversation towards biomechanics. Now that we've got a machine that can really test some of these concepts, I mean, not only is this a phenomenal training tool, you know, the moment I saw it, I realized this is a diagnostic tool. This is finally a really comprehensive way that we could test different strategies and see which are the most effective for athletes and the normal person. You know. Mm-hmm. From, Um, so let, let's kind of talk about what are the, you know, Keith, you started in on this before we started recording and I cut you off and actually I was getting a little pissed off that you were wasting such good material (laughs) before we were recording. So, so let's go back to that. You know, we've, we've got all these parameters everybody uses. Um, you find a coach, they're championing something different. There's time under tension, there's volume, there's tempo, Um, honestly I think most of these things are crap just specifically because they don't pan out in the research there's very few things that are important volume time under tension and tempo are not those things Uh, so why don't you guys talk about kind of the challenges you've had equating this machine to classical workouts
3: and that's so that's the one of the tough things to get people to to realize what a great tool this is because it's Right now, the the definitions in the language just don't really exist to be able to discuss this machine without actually getting somebody on it. Um, And and I think Kiefer, the same, you could you could attest to that, right? Because I was trying to explain this machine to you (laughs) without you having benefit of seeing it, and I saw the look in your eyes, like what the hell is this guy talking about? Right. (laughs) Um, But then you actually get on it, and you immediately, if somebody has a strength and conditioning background, they immediately get it, and you see their you see their brain just light up like in the same way that I saw you light up, the same way that I saw Angry Coach light up, you get it in that first instant when that machine starts coming down on you. Yeah, But that's for but, sure. but But to be able to capture all of that and to be able to discuss that with somebody without ha- having the benefit of being on the machine is very, very tough. Well, one of the things that we've talked about is intensity. So intensity is a measure that, that first of all, right now is – is hard to define because are we talking about a percentage of a one rep max, or are we talking about somebody's ability to uh, to get her done in a in a sense? So so right off the bat, intensity is a great would be a great um, definition for this machine, but, and to be able to use that definition in discussing this machine and this technology, but there's other qualities and there's other parameters. That this machine elicits from you that we really don't have a good definition of at this point point. Um, and so mark and i have been talking about what we almost need a redefinition of intensity for one thing because these qualities are and whatever they are i don't i don't know i can kind of you discuss around them but i really don't have a working definition yet there's a lot of qualities involved here that involve being totally taxed under each portion of the strength curve to your maximum ability and I know that sounds right now like a whole lot of babble, but until you get on the machine, you will immediately realize, oh yeah, there are some qualities here that are being taxed that I don't have a working definition for just yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think we, in in some ways we're redefining intensity and discovering a lot of cool things. Uh, and, and and you know, again, yeah, what Keith is saying is we're we're trying to really ascertain what what are we. And I I think we keep discovering more and more. And, uh, you know, the software guys that I'm working with, we continue to geek out, if you will, on all the cool things and variables we could look at. In other words, yeah, Keith mentioned something about time under 10 being crap. And yeah, I I tend to agree um, that, you know, okay, train to failure. What the hell does that mean? Um, You know, because in this machine, where is failure? What are you looking at? You could actually pinpoint maybe it's a percentage of inroad on the eccentric portion of the repetition now how the hell are you going to do that on traditional equipment you're not going to be able to but we can discover that and maybe discover for these set of goals your general nursing and guidelines for that person to get their particular uh, desired effect now of course everyone's different every training uh you know uh, effect has a different effect on a person and but but again, I think we're, we're we're onto something here with what we're able to to discover, and again, almost kind of re- defining intensity in a very different way uh, that isn't you know a percentage of perceived effort or a percentage of a one rep max. It's it's something different altogether here.
2: Well, I think uh, you know maybe even better than describing as defining intensity, it's more like you're quantifying it, and it's something yes. that you can't yeah. quantify by feel because there's it's going to be arbitrary. So
0: yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So if you guys want my take on this from a physicist's perspective, um, when when you put all the, the research together and the different things they look at in the research, um, w- one thing that surprises me is very rarely do they discuss total power output. And very rarely is that a parameter used to assess a workout or its efficacy. Or... You know, looking at that parameter to define the efficacy of a workout. Um, But when you put all these things together, it actually works out pretty well. You can look at somebody's maximum power output for a workout, and average power output, and that will give you a, a very reasonable number and a quantitative way to define how that person's performing on that day and, you know, on average over the course of their training. And so for people who don't, don't understand power, basically that's the amount of work you do and the amount of time you do it. And, you know, more specifically, work is forced through a distance. So this machine is great because it can actually record all of those parameters. We know the force, we know the distance it travels, and we know the time that it was done in. And that's both on the up and down. So this is one thing that I think makes, the re- in the research, it makes this incredibly clear why the stretch shorten cycle has such a massive effect on the entire course of training. And this is a very, very small range of motion. If you look at the turnaround for bench press or you look at the turnaround for squat or you look at the turnaround for pull downs, any exercise, it's a very short distance that that occurs in. And that very short distance in that very small amount of time and the fact that your force production is going from one direction to the other, actually creates a very large power output at the turnaround. That's why that's where most injuries occur. Um, If you're going to tear a pec, you're going to do it on the turnaround. And it's not just because you're stretched. It's because suddenly you're producing a massive amount of power. Um, So that's one thing that interests me about your machine. And you guys can just totally blow me off and ignore everything I'm saying and not pay attention to it. But you know, I just yeah. wanted to throw that out there. At least in the the current research, you can actually find some um, very similar veins across effective protocols if you ignore all this time under tension, all this crap, and you look at the athlete's peak power output and their average power output for that training session, which you guys pretty much have the monopoly on at the moment, as far as <laughs> in the real world.
3: Yeah. Well, let's yeah. look at it. let's look at another um, aspect too, and and this is more in the athletic athletic realm but if uh let's just say i have two kids that can bench press 400 pounds but uh you know one it takes three seconds to do it and i have another kid that can do it in two seconds the kid that's able to push that weight in two seconds is going to be all things considered a better athlete Mm -hmm. he's going to be faster he's going to be he's going to have that the quicker turnaround he's going to produce more power um and that's exactly what this machine can work too is that blisteringly fast turnaround from the eccentric to the to the concentric in a in a millisecond a hell of a lot faster and we can work this too a hell of a lot faster than a conventional lift and I think that's another aspect too and that's something that and that's a completely other rabbit hole to go down but oh, yeah. um that's that's another that's another use of this tool as well
0: yeah and you shift the load as you go through that shortened stretch shortened cycle which yeah. Yep. You, know, you, you might want to explain that how that works um so you know i've already said this machine basically travels at a constant velocity um you're just fighting against it so you know explain the difference between the the eccentric and concern centric what the machine does to adjust during those periods
1: well yeah um i mean and we've probably slightly fooled you a little bit it's Technically, uh, you know, it does change velocities just a little bit, but you don't. It's so subtle, and we've programmed it so subtly that you don't feel it. And a lot of that attention to detail has been around the turnaround. So I'm glad you're highlighting these. We specifically kind of handcrafted, if you will, the gearbox and the turnaround and the adjustments, so that that turnaround and that 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 stretch as you keep referring to is happening in in such a way that you're you just you can't get it anywhere else. So. We've kind of, like I said, it it is a constant velocity once you get going, but it actually does subtly slow down and subtly increase on speed. So, it it we've found that that kind of uh, instead of a sharp turnaround, if you will, that kind of subtle turnaround just really helps people um, you know, get through that turnaround in a, in a you know kind of the most effective way.
0: So what you're what you're essentially doing is you, if I'm hearing this correctly, is you kind of match that velocity curve to what produces the maximum speed that they can turn around at so like a really yeah. sharp point might slow them down
1: yeah it might actually kind of shock the system if you will you're not i mean you know even the the, the most powerful and, and and most strong you know guy you know you look at how that bar you know let's just take bench press it's an easy one you, you can see what that bar does and and it's not super sharp it actually has if you want to kind of graph it out it would kind of have a a curve to it so that's what we've kind of mimicked in that uh kind of change from in this case eccentric on the lowering and concentric on the lifting
0: and uh if i'm correct you increase the load the load is increased during the eccentric right and you've you've worked yeah
1: it. yes exactly and that was you know i mean i don't have to go too much into the history behind it but that was kind of some of the early eight key for you actually saw some of those early leverage machines that was mm-hmm part of the the first thing that we knew about just kind of what's called traditional equipment for lack of a better word barbells dumbbells machines whatever is we knew that traditional equipment severely underloads on the eccentric portion of the repetition um and uh you know no matter what your end result is you can lower and this, again we'll keep going with the bench press you can lower more weight to your chest and you can lift off your chest and so we knew we had to correct that our first th- you know foray into that was with these huge leverage machines which actually do work and they're still great tools and we still use them but you know the machines uh, and and the programs that we've been able to develop um, do it so much more efficiently and effectively
0: right When when you see one of these leverage machines I mean your first thought is somebody was trying to assemble a dinosaur out of old car parts I mean it's just it takes up such a big space there's all these arms coming off of it um, it overextends everywhere, it, it, and it really is. And once you see it used, you're like, I mean, this this is a beautiful piece of equipment functionally. Um, just aesthetically, <laughs> yep. it's not going to fit in most gyms.
2: It's like a uh, yep. large animal cage almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get, them in, get them on the rack.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so is there anything – I know we're, uh, we're coming towards the end of your time on the show, Mark – is there anything you want to kind of elaborate on or talk about or you know one one thing to definitely mention and we're going to talk about paleo FX in the second half is you guys will have this machine there correct in the
1: yeah yeah we okay. will, we will uh, have it in the expo area yes you're correct so I mean yeah definitely you know again it's kind of one of those you really do have to get your hand to fully understand but I, I think we're doing this job uh, I know we fall short, but I think we're doing our best job to try to explain it, um, you know, as, as best we can. Keith, I don't know if you, if you can think of anything we've just kind of totally missed or haven't highlighted.
3: Yeah, I can just say, you know, I've been in this game for over over 35 years, and when I first was getting to know mark in efficient exercise, I would I went on the YouTube channel to check these machines out, and I was like, I kind of get what's going on here, but I. But I don't exactly get it. I, I immediately equated it to training with chains and bands, and then tried to wrap my mind around what they were doing with this machine. Um, and, and even as much knowledge as I have in this game, I did not get it until I actually got on the machine. And then it, and then I was like, "You, you Kiefer, it, the lights went off on my head, and I immediately saw the light, so to speak." But. Um, <laughs> But I mean, it's it's just it, it. You have to get on the machine, even if you have a very very good underpinning and strength and conditioning. You just have to get on it to to totally appreciate what's going on.
0: Yeah, and it's totally. Yeah. That's the funny thing is it's it's actually completely backwards from bands and chains. Um, yeah, that, that's yeah. you know I bitch about those all the time specifically because <laughs> they produce force opposite of your body's natural force curve. So you're using bands and chains, you're actually limiting your body's ability to produce maximum force through the most important parts of the strength cycle. Uh, So, you know, I've never, never been excited about those. The research does not have very um, positive things to say, like one or two studies have shown on one specific exercise that they could be useful. But, you know, again, uh, as an overarching training methodology, they're, they're just not that great and that's yeah. kind of their failing is they work against the strength yeah. curve and you guys work with the strength curve.
1: Yeah. 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 And another thing that is difficult to understand, and I'll just, I probably will be able to elaborate on this totally, but we are actually not in a gravity-based system. We've created a non-gravity-based system. So everybody, everything that they do to a traditional gravity-based system. Yeah that out, out out of the equation and we've developed our own system that again is not gravity based. so another thing again just you know one illustration of this is you know maximally uh you know max effort bench and you're going for your one rm um, you know what if oh shit moment happens and <laughs> something goes uh that weight's got to come down i mean the, the, one of the other beautiful things about this equipment and it doesn't get talked about that much but you know you to psychologically want to go max out. For this equipment does that. And it also does that with the safety factor, knowing if an oh shit moment happens, the weight doesn't have to go anywhere. <laughs> it's not coming down on you. So uh, it, it's such a safe thing to get, you know, if you've got a an athlete and you're paying them uh, millions of dollars every year, do you want them to really suffer a weight room injury? I, If you're an owner of a team, I think the answer is hell no. So why would you even risk that? So anyway, you get what I'm saying. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I think as a physician, if I'm sending you that 78-year-old osteoporotic patient, I also don't want to have that patient, you know, have risk injury from, you know, whatever exercise they're doing in the gym too. I mean, so that's, I I think it goes both ways.
1: Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. And and I've had
0: that oh shit moment uh, on decline bench press. That's how I tore my pec. You know, I'm coming Mm -hmm. down with the weight and there is just this big pop. And psychologically, mm-hmm. I knew my spotter couldn't get it off of me, so I immediately put all force into getting it back on the rack, which probably mm-hmm. exacerbated the injury somewhat. Whereas, what yeah. you, you had to
1: do <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And,
0: and in this yeah. situation, you know, maybe, maybe there is the pot- potential for injury. But even if a minor injury had had occurred, I would have felt it, and I could have stopped and not worried about you know 350 pounds crushing my lungs. Yeah, and well, we like see this with,
1: yeah.
3: Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's the very cool thing about this is you can you can produce maximum force You don't have that negative bug in your mind that oh shit You have to have a bailout plan just in case you can totally erase that out of your mind And then if something does happen or you're battling through a nagging injury in a certain portion of the movement You just let off the movement at that portion.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was that's gonna it. say we we we, we are allowing You know we we give people the opportunity to continue to move continue to do these big compound lifts even through a nagging shoulder injury or, you know, knee, knee pain or this or that, you know, whether whether someone's literally coming out of surgery and kind of more of a therapy type of role or, you know, an athlete that just, you know, has one of those nagging injuries. You can continue to, to do your lifts uh, but, again, work through that, that uh, range of motion that might be giving you the problems.
0: Yeah, it, it's spectacular in so many ways. And, uh, unfortunately, I think, you know, is your, is your time up with us, Mark, or – Yeah,
1: yeah, I am gonna have to go here, but I've quite enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: thanks for being on the show, and uh, we'll probably continue to talk about it just a little bit as we segue into uh, Paleo FX.
1: Okay, well, thanks for having me, guys, and uh, have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot, Mark. Bye-bye.
3: Yeah, so one other thing thing I was going to talk about is, um, you know, you can use this equipment in a contrast method, for instance. Um, You know, we're talking about the the extreme left of the force velocity curve where the force is very very high and um, there is a training technique um, that I particularly like which is a contrast training method whereas I can go from the ARX and the very high force low velocity into a very high velocity low force um, activity and you just use an example this is called uh, you know clapping push-ups for instance
0: mm-hmm.
3: interspersed with <clears throat> the ARX bench press, and that, that is just a fantastic stimulus, I mean, it's, and, it's, and I'm able to do that in a very, very, very short turnaround, and again, I don't have any loading parameters on that very high force end of the things, so now I can just go back and forth and back and forth between both extremes of the force velocity curve which I've never been able to do before without this equipment. I've always loved the contrast method, but it's quite frankly, it's a pain in the ass to be able
0: to pull off right. effectively. But
3: right. with this, it is, I mean, it is so easy. It's just, it's ridiculously easy.
0: Well, you're, you're um, definitely spoiled having that oh, facility. Yeah. Oh,
3: I totally, yeah. <laughs> oh, believe me. I knew I i knew I came into the honey hole whenever I, whenever I saw that. I was like, okay, no need to go out on my own. I'll just partner with these guys and we're good to go.
0: Yeah. 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 And, you know, part of my interest in it and, and Rocky's too, why I wanted to make sure Rocky experienced these machines is, you know, for a lot of diabetic patients who don't have a lot of strength and are maybe scared to get into traditional weights, you Mm -hmm. know, this really accentuates the concentric part of the movement and you can, you can actually do the opposite for them. You can overload the concentric if you want and deload on the eccentric to allow them to get maximum glute 4 mobilization, which you know, for, for people who know my work, they understand how important glute 4 is for getting sugar into the muscle cells in particular and for diabetic patients. I mean, this is, this is literally a, you know, a game changer for them. It, it could possibly you know, help to reverse their diabetes in a much shorter amount of time than we see now with just traditional diet and training.
3: Absolutely. We've talked about the athletic side of things in, the, in this equipment's use in the in the athletic realm, but, um, yeah, as far as treating, treating diabetes, I, I mean, it is, and I think Rocky can talk more to this, but it is just a fantastic tool to be able to use, number one, in a safe manner, number two, in a short period of time. I mean, we can really, really clear some glucose here, and we can really, really affect the GLUT4 output, like you were talking about, Kiefer. This is just it's a fantastic tool to be able to use in that realm and again we're back to the situation of it's safe it's not that hard to pick up technique wise i mean you you need somebody there to coach these people through proper technique but let's face it it's not a it's not a freaking clean and jerk or a snatch i mean it's pretty it's pretty basic movements we're talking about um and it's it, it doesn't take very long i can get a hell of a lot of work out of these people in a very short period of time and let's face it too This is a hard sell for these these people who are in in the position they're in, number one, because they probably, 99% of them dislike working out. And a large reason of why they dislike working out is because of the time investment. They're just not willing to put forth the time investment they think is required to help them manage this disease. But we can show them completely otherwise. We can do a short period of work, get a lot done, and send you on
0: about your day. Rocky's, Rocky's biting back on his words here. What, what he's been trying to jump in for like two (laughs) minutes.
2: Well, I don't think I have to say anything anymore. I think he said it all. (laughs) I mean, I completely agree with everything he said about it. I mean, I think the one thing I would probably add in is that, you know, it might not be necessary. Those patients not getting to the gym, but also those that should make the effort, um, they don't get the result, right? Their lab work doesn't get better. Their weight doesn't go down. They don't get stronger. Um, and so there's that frustration level as well because they've you know, been on that hamster wheel for such a long time. Right. Well, and you've got the big
0: box gym trainers who are putting them on a BOSU ball and having them try to curl on an unstable surface, which shuts yeah. down the nervous system even more and guarantees that you can't get full muscular contraction. I mean, the idiocy yeah. that's out there is amazing. And the beauty of this machine is even for a big box gym trainer, it's going to eliminate the idiocy. I mean, they yeah, just can't yeah. do stupid stuff on this machine.
3: Yeah, it's it's super easy to operate. I mean, I um, of course all of our Efficient Exercise trainers are experts on it. But it, but it, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, the reason we have and the reason we bring on the Efficient Exercise trainers and get them into the program is it, the overall programming that goes into Efficient Exercise. The, the actual teaching somebody coming into the program about the ARX, it, it's minimal. It's very very minimal. Um, in fact, we have we run classes at efficient exercise, larger group classes of up to twelve people, and it takes maybe ten minutes to show them how to how to self administer the ARX. And I did, because there's uh, there's buttons in the handles that you can actually now Kiefer, when you went through it, and Rocky, when you went through it, I had, I was actually controlling the ARX um, through a through a hand box. You guys didn't have to worry about it, but I could have shown you how to run the machine yourself while you're doing the exercise and it it takes just a a short period of time to be able to do that
0: yeah this uh, amazing equipment and for anybody listening to this um i'm gonna obviously put this podcast in priority to get it out there like you need to come to paleo fx to check this out it's especially if you have a gym and you're looking to work with either an older demographic or a professional demographic or people who are just very time limited i mean this it would pay dividends to have one of these machines for sure. And uh, well, and while we're there, why don't we go ahead and segue into Paleo FX since we have the, uh, I believe, are you two the only founders? Or are you both the co-founders, Michelle, Keith?
3: No, we're not the...
4: Technically, we're not, no.
3: Yeah, oh, technically. Technically. Of, technically, there's always technicalities. Actually, <laughs> Mark uh, Actually, Mark Alexander was a co-founder as well. Oh, okay. Um, and it, has, it had to kind of back off because there was just uh, just too much going on. I mean, between ARX and efficient exercise, he, there, he just had too many irons in the fire. He still is playing a role behind the scenes. Um, he's like he's like the uh, Dr. Oz kind of behind the scenes, but. Oh. Uh,
4: and we don't mean well, Dr. Yeah, I, on tv i was
0: gonna no, say no, no, don't. That, that <laughs> awesome. no 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 no, no
4: that, that, we that, mean awesome. the, the man behind the curtain the
0: <laughs> okay yeah, actually
4: good. we tease him and say that he's the sexiest voice in fitness but and and tease him and call him charlie all the time so he calls us as angels but um
3: yeah but for all <laughs> intents and purposes now michelle and i are, are steering the ship and i'll let michelle talk since i've babbled on for the last hour about the arx equipment <laughs> i'll let michelle kind of tell you guys about paleo FX and where we are with that yeah why don't you uh, yeah,
0: kind of give us an idea of the theme this year um if there is one i know you've you've got a wide variety of speakers this year i, I i'm excited to be there uh not wow, only to speak okay. to, to meet these people so um you know a lot, a lot of them i've only either exchanged emails with or you know talked on the phone briefly so I'll let you go. We ahead.
4: don't really technically have a theme for paleo effects because we c- cover so many wide varieties of topics and... Um, well, I'll,
3: ju- I'll just jump in real quick and say that the theme is to punch the mainstream in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's a good theme. Yeah, but that's always, that's always <laughs> the case. Um, we we're always That's always our our, um, our on our agenda. Um, we don't te- really have a theme because we have so many wide uh, variety of topics. Um, we go into sustainability and nutrition and diet and fitness, and, you know, we cover everything from, you know, the carb backloading to, you know, low carb and keto, and, you know, we get, we try to cover as much as we possibly can in that three days, so um, there's no real uh, theme. However, pretty much the, the way that we're trying to direct the ship, if you will, is really trying to get us headed more towards mainstream and i think that we've done a and i don't say we and as in me and keith i say we as in the movement have done a really good job in the last year of really pushing um towards the mainstream and if you've seen the google trends and all the reports that have come out in the last week and a half we are the top diet that's in google we're and we're not going anywhere and it looks that we will be growing about 275% in the next year and um, maintaining our course. And I think we'll probably grow more than that. So um, Hamilton Staple, if you're listening, you're gonna owe me a drink, buddy. (laughs) And um, so I just basically we're really wanting to go heavy into the sustainability realm because sustainability is going to be the basis for our future and the basis of progress, if we can continue to get people to understand that this is a sustainable way of living and that this is what will help us save pretty much everything else. Mm. Um, healthcare, you name it, um, the, the planet, whatever you, whatever you will. So that's kind of the direction we're heading is really trying to get that sustainability piece um, pushed in there. And that's why you see Rob really heading that direction a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, really going a lot away from the diet and taking those questions of is this paleo he really is I think he's kind of tired of those questions so we're um, we're excited because we have a whole lot um, coming up this year we have we've added a fifth stage because we are that crazy (laughs) Um, so we have uh, five stages so all of the complaints that everybody um, put in to the surveys about we have too many things to um, to choose from, well, we listened and we gave you more. So um, (laughs) a bit of a stage in. So um, we have, um, we've got lots of really um, amazing speakers coming in, we have, we're really super stoked. We've got, um, right now we're working on some awesome speakers that we are hoping will come online and we'll hopefully get a chance to announce those pretty soon and we're, uh, so you're just gonna have to you know, stay tuned to our Facebook and our Twitters and everything for some really big names that we're working on right now. So, so, Miche-
2: um, so, Michelle, you know, just to kind of track back a little bit, talking about sustainability and being able to do, uh, this type of diet or lifestyle change or whatever label you want to put on it, you know, as you're well aware of, um, U S news and world report, um, published their top 20 guy- diets or that were good or the bad. And obviously paleo did not rank, uh, very high. Um, uh, do you think these are more market forces, lack of understanding? What Why do you think that uh, in the lay media, um, paleo takes such a bashing?
4: Oh, wow. That's interesting because we definitely wanted to, to go into that. Um, personally, I think it's a lack of understanding. I think that you've got, okay, first of all, they use dietitians and nutrition professors. So it's that same old school mentality uh, from the same, the last 40 years. Um, these people are still, um, trudging up the same old diet, um, and exercise information that they've hashed out over the last 40 years. That's gotten us in the healthcare crisis that we're in and obesity at the rates and the diabetes at the rates that we're at. And, you know, heart disease and, you know, every conceivable Western disease that we have right now at the rates that they're at. So, um, those are the people that are actually doing the poll at us news and world reports is dietitians and nutrition professors. So there's the big mistake right there.
0: And let's keep in mind that nutritionists still believe that the brain cannot function without carbohydrates, just so everybody has this context of where they're coming from.
4: Exactly. And then we have, so we've got that. And then you have journalists that also have, you know, let's follow the money trail. So you have the journalists that have their people that have um, sponsors and paid advertisers and that type of thing too. So they don't go, it's really sad because it seems that journalists now don't do anywhere near the digging and the research that now, people that are on the internet and that have access now to all this um, information do themselves. And so, our journalists are not doing the research that they should be doing, and and part of it, I think, is is the money. And,
0: um, and they should take lessons too from Gary Tobbs. I mean, to, to be honest, um, <clears throat> Gary Tobbs is nothing more than a science writer. That's all he's ever been. He's been a science journalist, and he writes, you know, really well-researched pieces. And what has thrown him into the limelight recently isn't because he's discovered some secret diet or you know, he's cured people's cancers or things like that. It's because he did the work to find out that this whole carb, you know, a high carbohydrate diet for health is a complete canard. And I would think other journalists who want, you know, some name recognition would understand this and uh, look into it themselves. If they don't believe, you know, what Gary's dug up or what the research says, they can go, they could go dig it up themselves
3: and multiply the Gary Tobbs effect by tens of thousands of lay people who have done the same work themselves and, and aren't getting paid at all for it, but have done the research themselves and come to the same conclusion. Now, these are people, for the most part, totally outside of the science, totally outside of, of getting paid for that aspect, but are doing it on their own and have come to the same conclusions. Now, you would expect that, especially with U.S. news that the journalists would do a little digging too. At least along the same lines as the layperson. Well, you
2: but, know, what I what I find ironic though is, you know, the Dash diet, which has been around forever, was the number one diet they recommend. And when you compare a Dash diet, let's say, to a paleo based diet, I honestly think they have more similarities than, than not. So I, I guess just thinking at a fifty thousand foot level, that's the thing I find so ironic in terms of the, the the disparity in the in the rankings,
3: or at least enough to pull paleo up above the um, what was it? the going
4: Slim Fast, fast
1: diet. Yeah.
4: Right. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I, that was that was the one that really got me. Is are you are we serious people? We are ta- talking about real food we- when you're really going to okay so we eliminate grains it's just beyond me that that subsidies have become such a hot topic that they cannot fathom that we would eliminate grains from our diet i I am so blown away by that but it's okay if vegetarians and vegans eliminate an entire food group themselves i am i just crack
0: up at that well you know some of the things you're fighting against for most for nutritionists for most medical doctors it's not real food versus something like Slim Fest. It's does this meet the macronutrient recommendations of the U.S. government and does it meet the recommendations that we've been taught are the only way to be healthy? And a lot of versions of paleo, you could argue, don't. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing for health. But from their perspective, that means it's an imbalanced diet. And they could look at, say... A vegetarian diet and say, well, you know, it doesn't matter that they don't eat meat because they still get protein and they can still get fats. It doesn't matter that those proteins are inadequate or that those fats are potentially inadequate. It doesn't matter that they have half the survival rate if they get cancer and they have the exact same cancer rates as everybody else. Those things don't matter. They're eating what they could see as a balanced diet because there's a lot of carbohydrates in there, um, which is ironic. and, And this would be a great, if you guys can, um, get this at paleo fx you know it turns out that if you examine the genes most responsible for being turned on because we're meat eaters those are the genes also responsible for giving us our massively long lifespan compared to other primates um so it's it's interesting that vegans are on this well we're going to live longer because we're not eating meat but meat is the reason we live longer uh so i mean
3: I mean, ultimately, when you look at this, it's a critical thinking problem, right? I mean, there's so many facets to this, but when you regress, 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 and go back and try to get to the root of the problem, it's, it's really an inability to think critically um, right. it, to a person, an inability to think critically. Um, you know, we can get into discussions about the education system, but that, you know, it's a whole other rabbit hole, but, but this seems to be a huge problem. Yeah, um, we, just to be able to pick apart things, think critically, and think through think through the issues and not make black and white decisions because you think those are the only decisions you can make. Yes, no, black, white, off, on, one, zero. And this is how we've been conditioned to think.
0: Well, we yeah, we, we also tend to steer towards simple concepts, I think, and that's yep. where we're having a lot of trouble because... Um, If you only look at weight loss, which is not a very comprehensive parameter Then all of a sudden you can look at something as simple as calories. So a very very simple concept of calories Can correlate to a very very simple concept of weight loss, but weight loss by itself doesn't mean health You could have lost a lot of bone mass. You could have lost a lot of muscle mass both of those things are going to contribute to disease and a lack sure. of disease prevention. So we we tend to look at these coarse, kind of very simplistic ideas, and then it's very hard to take the next step. I mean, it's difficult for some people to even think about breaking calories down into macronutrients. You know, that alone is a big step. And we see a huge fight against all of this. I mean, Alan Aragon is somebody who is on the internet all the time and he's literally made his name just by going around to forums and going around on Facebook telling everybody they, they're they stupid if they don't think it's as simple as calories in, calories out, and weight loss. Yeah. And you yeah. get a ton of static like that. And for most people, those are easily graspable concepts. Sure. Um, and so it, it makes it really simple if you hear this argument. It's like, it's just so simple. It's calories in, calories out, and the weight you're going to lose and nothing else matters and everything else is stupid. And... I know his latest rant is against paleo because he could not possibly conceive of or understand that the food we eat could have such a major impact on the body, even the, the gut bacteria, and that that gut bacteria could have such a major impact on health. That's just that's beyond his ability to comprehend is, is what I would say. I'm sure he has the ability to sit down and think about it, but right now, it's just so far out of his purview, he can't comprehend that that could make a difference and
3: yeah and that's that's crazy too because i mean it it just baffles my mind that an otherwise intelligent person and alan is Mm -hmm. i would give him that cannot cannot take the next step or or chooses not to take the next step i don't know which it is maybe it's maybe it's a marketing thing or a publicity the thing that he's doing this but but if it but if it is and he truly believes this that's just and that's a whole human psychology thing that's (laughs) another rabbit hole to go down but how can you not take that next step or those next steps? Is that just not a logical next place to go?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I definitely want to make that clear. I don't think Alan's an idiot. You know, I've heard him speak, and oh, no, he's a sharp guy. Yeah, yeah, his ability to defend his position is pretty good. The problem is that his position is now becoming very, very weak and without foundation. And, you know, that's, you know, he can argue all he wants. The science isn't there. The health data is not there. And the data we see across the United States and other, you know, industrialized nations does not support that viewpoint. Um, yep. So at some point, you know, you just got to crack and step back and say, okay, something's wrong. And, and I'm going to circle this back to Paleo FX because these conversations are what I love about Paleo FX because... I know you guys have heard me say before that I don't like paleo and y- you've put that into in the correct context. There's problems I have with the language that's used yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and the sure. perception, but that's what's great about paleo FX is it's not just about like trying to tell people that this is how they eat, that this is paleo. It's really this diverse and integrated discussion where all these experts with their specific area of expertise or their specific viewpoints really come together and give the audience so much great information that they could start using now instead of, you know, this really intense scientific discussions that sometimes go on. Um, It's really usable and seeing these experts engage with each other, I think, really helps people more than anything else that any one individual could do.
4: Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we decided that we wanted to put on Kaleo FX is because, you know, um, AHS is a great symposium and we love going to AHS and we like taking part in it.
0: And that's the Ancestral Health Symposium. Yes,
4: Ancestral Mm -hmm. Health Symposium. And um, at the end of the day, though, um, basically our clients are wanting to know, what do I eat for lunch? what how do i work out what do i do to work out what do i do to lose this last 10 pounds what do i do to get to sleep what do i you know it's all of those questions that we need to answer what do i do to optimize the, the absolute best that i can do to make sure that i'm here for my grandchildren or that i'm here so i can see my kid graduate or how can i you know reverse my diabetes or you know those questions so those are the questions that we have so that was one of the reasons why we thought that's where the disconnect is. That's what we, that's what people need. They need that everyday information of, you know, where the rubber meets the road. What do I do? What do I do with all that science? That's all great. But, you know, I need to know what to do with all of that. So um, that was why we decided to put Effects together. And um, we're thrilled to death with the response um, for us to, at the point we're at in on our third year is pretty exciting and to have the, the caliber of experts and speakers coming to paleo FX is pretty incredible and we're um we're just we're just thrilled with the way that it's turned out we love the dialogue that goes on in our mastermind panels and we love the style the way that um it the way that it goes about because it's respectful disagreement and it. And we are definitely of the mindset, if there's no dissension, there's no progress. So um, we're we're just thrilled to death with it.
3: Which is exactly why we brought you in last year, Kiefer. (laughs) Seriously, when we talked about it and um, people were like, what? You're going to bring that Kiefer guy into Paleo FX? Exactly. Yes, we are. Because he's going to make you think. Right. We don't want you. This isn't an echo box. And we're going to bring people in this year that are going to push the envelope and make people question and that's exactly what we want the last thing we want to do is ossify
4: right we don't need we don't need to have everybody standing up at podiums and preaching to a choir that's not what we need because if we don't have different ideas and we don't start if we start stagnating there's really no point in continuing on the whole movement needs to keep progressing and you know pushing pushing the envelope and and having dissension, having those conversations and the dialogue so that we can progress forward. And the
3: fact of the matter is, what we know about diet and fitness, what we know about the hormone response, what we know about the human body is so minuscule at this point. To think that we know everything and how everything works together is, is, uh, I don't even know what that would be. That, that's hubris defined, <laughs> yes, <acid-line. laughs> right. Um, and so totally. we have to be vigilant and bring in new ideas and keep evolving. And I mean, if you're, uh, you are used to have a high, a, uh, a coach say, if you're not progressing, you're regressing, and that's exactly that's exactly it. You have to keep an open mind. You have to keep searching, searching, searching. And that's exactly what we want this conference to be. So it's not a again, it's not an echo box. Um, But you are going to have ideas come in there that are going to cause you to stretch and cause you to question and hopefully make you grow.
4: Yeah, it's not like, um, I think Keith wrote in our post, you know, we aren't going to get to the top of the mountain, plant the flag and say, okay, we have conquered. It's, you know, constantly going down the river and, you know, plotting a new path down the river and going, oh, okay, here's another way down the path. So, you know. I, I think that if we d- if we don't do that, then we just become static and stagnant, and there's no there's no progress anymore. So and and there's no way we will go ma- mainstream if we don't. So yes, we're going to be bringing those people in. So I I have asked Alan Aragon to come to PaleoFX. So oh, I, I don't know if he's going to come, but I have asked him to come. So we um, we're I am in sit the you, conference uh, right next to him. <laughs> right on next the panel. to him. That that but would be fantastic. Are, <laughs> we, um, you know, we are, um, I am in conversations with him about coming, but we have, you know, we have amazing people. Obviously, Rob is, uh, Rob Wolf is coming back. Chris Cressor is coming back. Sarah Fragoso, uh, Nora Gagata, Dr. Terry Wallace is coming back. Dallas and Melissa Hartwig. Um, ben Greenfield, Nate Miyake, um, Christopher Ryan, which we're really excited about and um another one that we're really super excited about and who will be controversial and will um add a huge another dimension to the um to the uh conference is Leah Keith. So we're excited about having her come in. So um that's uh right now that's where um those are the the bigger names and that we have coming in um, right now that I I, w- I can announce so, um, and then of course you Kiefer and you um, Rocky so.
2: And
3: that's on the diet side of things, and we also have a lot of folks out of the strength and conditioning world that will be there as well. Right. And a lot of a lot of cool, interesting ideas, um, and a lot of biohack talk along with that. So we're going to have. Uh, in all likelihood, Joel Jamison will be back. We'll have lots more information about heart rate variability.
4: Oh, tons of talks about heart rate yeah. variability, it,
3: which is a which is a hot topic this year. So it, it's not just diet related, as you know, Kiefer. There's a lot of other right. things that go into this as well.
0: So. Right. Yeah. It's it's a great conference, and uh, you know, I've got to say, my hats off to you too uh, for really putting together what you have so far and continuing to grow it. Uh, it. It's amazing, and I'm very proud to be a part of it, and I I appreciate being there two years in a row. So thanks. Right on.
4: Well, we're, we're glad that you're going to come back.
0: Well, uh, we are actually at the end of our time. I think we, we actually covered quite a bit in that hour. It was pretty impressive.
4: <laughs>
0: so uh, we're going to sign off. Thank you, too, for for being on the show. We really appreciate a Great conversation and um, really looking forward to Paleo FX. And I think everybody listening should go if they have any possibility of getting there at all. It's, it's really worth the time. Um, not to well mention thank that...
4: you for having us I, I appreciate you having us on on your show and can we give you um, where everybody can get their information on paleofx
0: yep of course
4: paleofx.com and then they can follow the Twitters of at paleofx at eclectic kitchen that's me and at Keith Norris um, and you can we will be announcing a lot of the speakers within the next couple of weeks
0: so okay. Okay, fantastic. Where
4: you can, and thank you so much for having the phone guys. Yeah,
0: man. Yeah, of course. Great talking to you guys again. All right. So um, we're going to sign off, and we will see you next time, or at least you'll hear us next time. You've been listening to Body.io FM with your hosts, Kiefer and Dr. Rocky. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more science from the pinnacle of human health and performance.